welcome back to another year of the Well Said podcast. Uh, it's January 1st, New Year's Day, and I'm sitting here with my buddy Dan at my house, and we decided to record a quick bonus New Year's episode to get us kicked off and started on the Well Said podcast. If you're just joining us, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, we are a podcast about the joy and the challenges and the complexity and the craziness of following Jesus in a post-Christian cultural moment as we see today. Uh, so with me today, like I said, is Dan. Dan, welcome. Hello, Andre. Well, this is uh, um, really nice to be with you here today. This uh, podcast has been one year in the making. Yeah. I've been overlooking it, overhearing it, and... Um, for the sake of our listeners, of your listeners, I was thinking to do something different today. Instead of you interviewing somebody, as usually is the case with your episodes... Right. You're the guest. I'm supposed to interview you, right? Yes. Well, not quite. So what I would like to do today is actually interview you to turn the tables and ask you a couple of questions. Um, and again, the uh, the idea behind this um, the, behind this episode was to get to know the man... Uh, Andrei Bulanov a little bit on a more closer, uh, uh, closer friendly level. Yeah, that's fun. I th- so, guys, just, just to let you know, I don't know what questions he's going to ask. I kind of maybe have ideas, but we decided to wing it, and I'm giving him full control, even though he is a first-time visitor. What a privilege. So, as you look back over 2018, what are the uh, most vivid memories for myself or like with this podcast specifically? Everything. 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 This is Andre Bulanov, unfiltered, uh, yeah. raw. I think this year has been huge for our family. It's just been very busy and lots of interesting changes. We sold a house. We bought a house. Um, we remodeled another house. Um, we have been getting into this kind of new neighborhood that we're living in. Uh, I've had some changes in ministry at church. I've taken on more responsibilities or more tasks that I'm doing. Um, It's been a fun year. I think if I were to boil down a couple of key things that God has been teaching me, um, it would be a richer understanding, I think, of God, as he is in the whole Bible, specifically how God works in relationship and in covenant through history, that's a truth that has been really like vivid for me this year, particularly. So the lordship of God um, and the covenants as a framework of the whole story of the Bible. Um, The other thing that I've been kind of learning a lot is just Joe Rigney's book that I mentioned a couple of weeks back has been shaping me a lot and just understanding my relationship to my actual world. I think oftentimes in this busy life, technological, career-driven, you know, social media-driven, go, 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 accomplish new things, life, we get so caught up with dreams and ideas outside of our immediate circumstances and easily we get discontent and we're always chasing something new. And I think God is really teaching me the preciousness and the beauty of life at home, life with my kids. In the moment. Yeah, in the moment. Life with my wife, uh, relationships, real people. um, Just deepening my relationship with my wife, my kids. It's also been a big year, I think, where um, 
I'm just, I mean, I'm always, always thankful for my wife, but especially this year, I think just seeing her character, her, her development, her maturity, uh, in commitment to our family, to our kids, to church, to group, it's been really fun. I think we're, we, we just passed six years and it, it, it's been, it's, it's such a joy. I, I don't know. Just, that's one of the key, I think, highlights for me in seeing how God deepens a marriage, enriches a marriage. So I don't know. That's beautiful. Uh, that's beautiful. So knowing you for a little over a decade, I just um, wanted to, I've been making some observations about you as a character, as an individual, and um, uh, just wanted to ask you this question. Besides a cup of coffee hmm. and two eggs over easy with a toast <laughs> in the morning, what fuels your life? What really gives you the energy? Because unless you've already picked it up from the podcast, Andre is a very energetic person. So if you could uh, open up that part of your heart. Yeah. I think if I was to just put it in a nutshell, um, it would just be um, the, the essential and rich message of the reality of the gospel. I, I think the, some of the key turning points for me happened when I was studying a lot of Paul at, in the late teens, like 18, 19, 20, you know, leading Bible studies in our other church. Um, and in there, coming face to face with the compelling vision that Paul had in the gospel and the way he looked at life. I think for me, it's kind of like his view kind of got ingrained in me. And so for me, it's always difficult to separate the spiritual from the physical. Like you, you, you come outside with your cup of coffee in the morning, you look and you see the sunrise and the neighbors driving off to work. And you, have, you ask yourself, what is this world? You know, you're always placing it within narrative. And, and, and when we look at Paul especially, he's so helpful because I think he helps you look at this world and say, look, this is the unfolding of the drama of God's amazing story. And we get to be part of it. I, I don't know. To me, that's, maybe that's, that's not like super down to earth. But that's, I think that's really the heart of it. It's like this, this crazy thing. Like there is no mundane moment there's no mundane day like this is life in god's crazy story so in other words you're talking about the gospel which is lived not a not in a pseudo reality not in just a heavenly reality but a gospel that is lived in the physical reality mm -hmm. it is it is the intersection of the divine and the earthly yeah it is the intersection of uh, it is this holistic view of life where the heavenly meets the earthly yeah if you can just a little bit expand on that, and maybe besides Paul, who were other voices into your life to help you shape that uh, perspective? Because there is a lot of people out there who enjoy Paul, but for some reason develop more of a one-sided view of life, where the value in life is all about the quote-unquote spiritual, mm -hmm. theoretical, the heavenly, so to say, and... Um, Things of the earth I look down upon as mm -hmm. something sub-spiritual, sub-Christian, sub-worthy um, of our time, effort, attention. And to really, people yeah. end up getting being guilty over 
engaging themselves in things of the earth. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, and I and I hesitate to say this like too. I don't want to come across as this like bookish type person, although I'm a bookish person. But like, there's different kinds of bookish people. There's people who love books because books are a uh, retreat from reality. And there's people who love books because books help them see reality and engage with everyday life even more profoundly. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I think it's the second option. But I I really think we have been blessed with resources in our time. And for me personally, I am just on... I am just shaped by the voices that have spoken into my ears and into my mind. Um, so I think the, if you think about what an amazing thing it is to, to have a book written by a, a great wise person, you know, like Charles Spurgeon or whatever, you know, in the history of the church. So for me, voices that have spoken profoundly have just altered and shaped my vision of everything. And that would be um, I think just the story of Spurgeon, the autobiography of Charles Spurgeon, huge impact on me. Um, Francis Schaeffer, his books, uh, his ass- assessment of history and ideas really got me going. Al Mohler, our seminary president. Um, C.S. Lewis, massive, massive. Help, helps. I think C.S. Lewis is really the connector of heavenly and earthly. You know, He helps you see the magic of everyday moments. Um, just huge, uh, and every and even now, I think C.S. Lewis is kind of a like a, a a monthly need for me. Like you have to go back and get some C.S. Lewis to kind of um, it's like a craving, almost. So I think these are like the voices. Again, connecting to that though, earlier in the days, it was John MacArthur and your pastor. Pastor Alexei Kalamitsov, huge. He unlocked the Bible for us. He just, he showed us that he gave us the tools to, to look into the Bible and to ask questions and to study the text. Um, so that would be a handful of the voices. And Tim Keller. Those, okay. are, those are the kind of essential voices. But can I add? Anybody in the past year? In the past year, Joe Rigney, for sure. And John Frame. He's a, John Frame's a theologian. Uh, amazing, wonderful man. And Joe Rigney is a teacher at John Piper's College. Um, so these are all like these people, they live in my head like friends, even though I've never met them, you know, that's the beauty of books. Okay. Well, um, I resonated with a lot of that and a lot of those names, but I'm, uh, I suspect that some of our listeners might be intimidated by the uh, titles you've named and the names you've mentioned, because there might be a thinking that they will never get a time in their life or in their near future to even scratch the surface of what those great men have said. Mm-hmm. Um, yet we're still, we, yet we still find ourselves in in the daily reality of, uh, in the daily reality of physical life, right. where the earthly needs to meet the heavenly. If you can give a one to two minute um, exposition of what it means to wake up in the morning and meet the heavenly. What's the routine? It's not What's the something ritual? you do. I don't think it's something you do. It's something you learn to see. And then when you see it, you can't unsee it. Like I said earlier, we all come out of our, you know, of our hobbit holes every morning. We all come out of our, our, of our homes and we go out into the world. And the world is something. And the way you see the world um, is defined by something. So in, in, in many ways... We are always asking the question, what is this world? How do I make sense of it? What, what, what connects it? And 
I think as a Christian, you have to ask yourself, and again, the simple, stupid question almost, do I really believe this stuff? Is this God's world or not? You know? And when you see that it is God's world, when you read Genesis carefully, when you look at uh, the psalmist, how he describes um, all everything that he sees around him, you realize that God is not just someone who is sending spiritual messages to us through ancient books. God is unfolding his glory before us every day in creation and then in his word as you go deeper and see him personally and vividly. Um, So I think that for me, it's a process of daily asking myself, what is the gospel story, which is the biblical basic narrative? Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. At the center of it is King Jesus, Lord of heaven and earth, who is reigning today in glorified bodily form. What is the gospel? And then I ask myself, do I really believe this stuff? And, and you look and you have to ask yourself, it's either yes or no. There's no in between. What is the world that you live in today? So I think it's a daily renewal of faith. Yesterday's faith was no good today because today you need new faith. The Bible tells us that faith is a new thing every day. You have to renew this faith every day. But also when you renew the faith, it comes on thicker and thicker every time because it it grows, you know? So does God care about your new addition to the family, the kitten Noel? Does Yeah, we have, we have a cat. We mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. Does God, yeah. Even in that, you know, it's like we we got this animal and I'm talking to our kids and it's fun because all of a sudden there is somebody in the household over whom they have lordship. You know, there's a hierarchy. God created a structure in the world. There's God, there's man and husband and wife and parents and children and and all humans over animals. And this this little creature, uh, which is very annoying sometimes... Dan does not like her, um, but she is a creature. Editorial comment will be added a little bit <laughs> later, but okay, go on. We, she's a creature in God's glorious world, manifesting God's glory, and an opportunity to exercise Christ-like dominion by showing her who's boss and by also respecting her and loving her as a creature in God's world. There's a dual balance. You know, you look at a little, the, the cat pouncing around the living room, um, you know, and you, you just see that we live, I love this line N.D. Wilson says, N.D. Wilson, he's a, he's a children's author, fantasy children's author, he's a Christian. When he goes to speak to kids in schools and talks to them about books and imagination, he says, of all the worlds that you can live in, uh, of all the fictional worlds, Star Wars, Star Trek, uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, Narnia, if you could pick and pick and live in one of those crazy worlds, which one would you pick? And he always says himself, he says, I'd pick this world. This world is crazier than all of them, you know? And if you learn to peel back this flat, secular world that we live in today, which says it's all a machine, it's all part of chemical process, and it all doesn't actually mean anything, and you look at a biblical vision of everyday life and you see the glory of God on display in everything, um, the more you do that, little by little, layer by layer, you can't unsee it. And then you start to see it in everything more and more. And it, it brings wonder. It brings gratitude. And it brings love because you see it's not just 
cool stuff. It's not just a cool world. There is a God behind it all, and he is present among us every moment. But how do you live out that reality, let's say, on a Monday morning when you open up the door and um, it's rainy, it's gloomy, it's dark, and the only thing that you see in your driveway is a 2002 beaten-up Toyota Corolla? Yeah. Well... How does the earthly meet the heavenly? I mean, I and again, to me, raining and windy is not necessarily gloomy. You can feel gloomy, but you come out there and that gust of cold wind and the raindrops on your skin, I mean, you just look and you see an amazing world at work. You know, there's glory in every moment. Um, the gloom, the boredom is inside of us. It's not outside of us. That's, and again, another N.D. Wilson line, to be bored in this world is to be boring in this world. But after the theological questions, if I can ask, add another layer to what drives me, um, I would say on a practical level, what drives me, first of all, my family. My, the love of my wife, the support of my wife, the presence and relationship that we have together, that we talk every day and unload our thoughts, and the support and encouragement and faith that she has in me. I got nothing without that every day. She, that, that fuels me. My kids, they're so amazing, you know. They're a lot of work. But just the miracles at work, you know, just everyday moments, putting them to bed, talking, you know arguing, disciplining, um, man, that's, that's where it all happens, you know. The other thing I think that fuels me, and again, probably a lot of people would say the same thing, is friendships. So you guys, why, this, you know, the fun part at holidays for me is Dan comes over, um, and we go on walks, and we talk, and it's fun. You know, we live in Birch Bay, we live close to the water, we go on these long walks and talk and breathe the salty air. That fuels me. That fuels you, right? It does. Absolutely. It's amazing. Like this this afternoon's walk was a yeah. mind shifter. We were surveying the, the, the destruction of Birch Bay. Um, it's amazing. No, so, so these moments every day, and you're talking about heavenly meeting earthly, you look at marriage, family, friends, food, and you realize, man, this world is amazing, and it all points to the amazing God who's behind it, you know? If I can, um, if I can throw in another question here, where I think the reason I'm asking these questions is because uh, a lot of Christians, in my, in my opinion, are genuinely struggling with this um, dichotomy of life. Um, unfortunately, the the models of Christianity that we grow up in or that we practice. Um, are not helping us bridge these gaps, but right. actually deepening. But, the, yeah. but they're actually deepening this. this. Um, when you live in an age of abundance, let's say 2018 was probably the best year on Wall Street ever. Uh, economic opportunities mm -hmm. plentiful. Uh, only the lazy don't didn't make the money last year. Right. Uh, I mean, it's an it, it's a brush generalization, but still. How do you enjoy the gifts of God while not being callous over the pain of your neighbor? What do you mean by that? Well, let's say this has been a good year for you financially. And uh, the way that you approach is that these are the gifts of God. 
I'm enjoying my life. Oh, just and being selfish about it. And then, but then you become numb to the pain. But at the same time, you become numb to the pain of your neighbor. And not necessarily a neighbor in your church, but just a person walking down the street who is in deep need, either spiritual or physical. First of all, when we learn to see every single thing that we have as God's gift, everything comes from Him. Everything is personally given to us because He loves us we start to realize that the meaning of God's gift and his grace is that it multiplies. It, it, he gives in abundance. When you see how much God gives, it's overwhelming. You know what I'm saying? And, and when you see that your life is so abundantly surrounded with God's gifts, um, you want to be a giver like God. You know what I'm saying? You mm-hmm. want to be a person who, who is passing it all along and not worrying about whether there's enough left for you because you know out of God's abundance more is coming in whatever shape or form. But because you live in relationship with a God who is a God who is a giver and a, and a lover, um, the abundance of God's gifts always moves us to become givers ourselves and we multiply the joy that way. For me personally, the other side of that though is... Um, I don't know, for me, God doesn't seem to allow me a lot of long periods of time of perfect ease and tranquility. There's always some sort of thorn in the side. There's always some sort of pain and struggle going on. Um, you know, it's, it's like the dichotomy that we live in, right? I mean, the world is beautiful and the world is broken and how can I enjoy the beauty and yet be realistic about the brokenness? And it's like, same thing here, right? Oh, I'm so blessed. Look at our family. Look at life. Look at look at all the stuff we have, friends, whatever, right? But then you're like, but all these other things, but pain, but illness, but catastrophes can strike, right? So you live in the light of fragility. You live in the light of suffering. And yet you have to have a balance and courage to delight in the gifts. So I think God gives us the moments of trial to remind us that he is the ultimate gift and that we all we need is him because sometimes he gives us a bunch of gifts uh physically relationally whatever right sometimes he takes all those away and he makes you suffer and struggle a little bit lay in bed cough be in, have a fever and 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 ask yourself do i still have hope do i still am i still a joyful person at the core and when you have christ you 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 bounce back and say i've got the world you know it's all good you know so it's kind of like that. It's, a, it's like this seesaw, this dichotomy. And for me personally, God's been really, he's been layering on the goods and he's been layering on the thorns as well. So, and, and, I'm, and I'm grateful for that, you know. This, this past month has been insane. So I apologize, guys. We haven't had an episode for a couple of weeks. It's just like illness has plagued this house. I mean, we just, it, and you, you realize all of a sudden you don't have control. You realize all of a sudden you are weak, you are fragile, and every moment is God's gift. I, I wish I could expand and uh, drill deeper into those questions with you. But since we're running, somewhat running out of time, I just wanted to uh, ask you a couple of questions. Why has kombucha become the, uh, drink, the, drink. Of, the drink of choice in 2018? Yeah. Um, I don't know. That, that, you it, got, that you is got true. one minute. This is true. Short answer. Um, a lot of people today are all talking about enjoying the freedom of alcohol drinking. Yes. 
And even though we are Baptists and so we don't drink, I don't drink, um, I, I actually realized I don't actually like the taste of alcohol. I don't taste for it, but, but I like complexity and flavor. And kombucha is great. And it makes you feel good. Like it just, it just feels good. Yeah, those billions and billions of antioxidants yeah. and life goals. Two favorite brands right now, Hum Kombucha and uh, Kombucha Town from Bellingham, from our okay. little town here. All right, moving on. Um, most recent book that you've finished cover oh, to cover. Oh, yes. One Just minute. finished it yesterday. Images and Idols, the first installment in the Reclaiming Creativity series from Humble Beast and Western Seminary. The book is written by Thomas Terry and Ryan Lister. I'll put a link in below, guys. Please get that book if you are at all interested in creativity or if you're a pastor or leader because you lead people who are creative. It's a book that gives a very basic overview of the biblical theology of creativity. Why is creativity important? How does it factor into God's plan? And how do we use creativity to the glory of God? Such a fun book. So short, very well written, uh, and very inspiring. Yeah, no matter whether you are creative with numbers or you're creative with words We're all or anywhere with something. or yeah. any, anywhere in between, it's a great it's a great read. Um, another question: If you were to write a book, what would it be? I think that if I had time, maybe a couple of weeks to think about that question, I would come up with something that's more from the depth of my soul, like something that is more mine, like oh, this idea, you know. It would be more of like my creation. But, but something from point, the surface of your soul. On the soul. surface of my mind, uh, we did a series of sermons in our church on change and the gospel's work in our hearts to help us change. And there was a sermon that I did at the end of it to kind of summarize it and brought together three habits of change. Um, to me personally, it's like, ah, this is so helpful. Um, I've been growing personally from reading the good books that I've been reading and just looking at scripture and what it says about change and Christ working in us. So if I had if I had some Christian publishers say, hey, any ideas, I would throw this idea for a small, easy to read, practical book on habits of gospel change for the Christian. Three habits of gospel change. And I'm not going to tell you what those three habits are because... Because it is, forth- it is forthcoming this year in a book proposal <laughs> and if you're a book publisher please right 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 back to we have dream. a lot of book publishers listening to this <laughs> podcast uh, um andre you are a like observing you this all these years and especially observing you in your marriage life you are super sweet to your wife like it's um uh, and uh, there is this thing that I am observing in both of you. It's um, you guys are foodies. We are foodies. You yes. Guys are foodies. Where is that coming from? This ever-present, non-stop, insatiable drive for taste. That's a good question. I mean, this guy. He's not just. He's not a. Uh, uh, he doesn't overeat per se, but he's yeah, constantly a, he's constantly yeah. searching for the perfect taste. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, we could probably like if we had. He's not a glutton. No, I would not. Uh, I would not dare to go that way. But he's not a glutton. But he is in the constant pursuit of a taste. Yeah, I think personally, in for me, it arises partly out of a desire for like. 
perfection and excellence. I'm an inner critic. And that could be bad, but it could also be good. If you're a critic who's balanced, you're always delighting in excellence. So when you see excellence, you know it, and you really want to dance around and celebrate it. And food is one of those things that it's just, it's just amazing. Like food is amazing. Think about it. God gave us this, um, this, this ability to cook and, have, and make flavors. And you look at what people can do with food. Where did it come from? Me and my wife just both like food. Over time, the more you like it, the more you taste together, the more you search and search and develop. I think we just got together. That's where it happened. And yep. the rest is history. Maybe we'll open a food channel or a food blog somewhere in the future. Having spent five days here in this house, I think besides walking away with a with a, a wide palette of newly acquired tastes, I'm walking away with five more pounds. But that's, <laughs> that's my wife is amazing. She's an amazing cook. We holidays have been so much fun. Actually, why am I in a good mood today? We have so much good leftovers from last night, from New Year's dinner. We've got ribs, we've got a couple of really good salads, we've got some potatoes with bacon and uh, what is it called? I almost, I, I, it's not artichoke. It's, um, it's, what is it called? That stuff. It's really good. Um, it was in the eggs this morning. Uh, I don't remember. Avocado. No. But anyways, there's a lot of good food in the fridge and we're happy about that. Uh, coming to a close, I just wanted you to... Think about a person right now who is listening to you, who is looking over the past year, and um, they're seeing not so much of, in terms of highlights, but lowlights. Mm. They're looking ahead of them into 2019, and the prospects are grim on various fronts, relational, familial, um, church life. Um it is, uh, it is great to be maybe the type of a person or to be in a season of spiritual walk where God has given you this um, understanding and this ability to appreciate. But what about those, those of us who are still working out the hard spots in life? Your word of encouragement. Yes. We are all working out the hard spots and we are all struggling, first of all. And second of all... I think I, I felt this yesterday. I felt this anxiety almost come upon me as I realized that New Year's is like four hours away. And I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Because life I is... haven't finished reading my Bible. No, it's not even... <laughs> yeah, I haven't read my Bible in a year, so I got I to gotta get going. I got four <laughs> hours to finish. No, but it's like, you know, when life is challenging and complicated and all of a sudden New Year's comes up to you like a signpost that you don't have enough time to duck and here it's just going to whack you in the face. You're going 60 miles an hour down the freeway with your head sticking out of the sunroof. Um, <laughs> that's how it feels when, when you don't have control and you're struggling and here comes time, time to remind you that you are finite and the clock is ticking and you just want to press the brakes. And stop and try to figure everything out. But I think the hope that we have, and I really was encouraged by the last chapter in the book, Images and Idols, that I just finished yesterday. The hope we have is eschatological, meaning end, end of times. Forward. To come. Yeah, all, yet to come. The hope that we have as Christians looking forward is the coming kingdom of Jesus. That your greatest answers... And your greatest peace is not going to come when you have your life put together here. It's not going to come when everything slows down and you have a chance to breathe. It's not going to come when everything finally evens out here and now. No, your greatest 
joy and peace will come in the kingdom of Jesus as he comes and breaks into this present world. And that is coming. So when you see the time ticking, when you see the years flicking by and you don't have life figured out, so many things are up in the air, relationships are difficult, life is messy, instead of recoiling and being afraid and anxious, actually the Christian has reason to double down and run harder because we're running home. It doesn't matter how, how you don't feel like you don't have it all figured out or how messy life is. For the Christian, forward is home because that's where Jesus is at and he's coming. So we have hope every day as we look as the clock winds down, as we feel overwhelmed, we remember all things will be made new. Yeah. And that's to come. Yeah, and if I can if I can just add to that, as we're looking ahead to 2019, I think it'd be helpful if we look at the upcoming year not with digital eyes, mm-hmm. meaning that uh, the upcoming year is a succession of days, 365 days, mm-hmm. but a succession of seasons. I I like languages, and one thing that I really like about in the Ukrainian language is the way that um, they have retained those old Slavic um, roots for months. Hmm. We have borrowed them from Latin, which is um, basically January, December, and, and so forth, which has actually transposed into Russian. But in, but in the Ukrainian language, it remains the seasons of the year. Hmm. So um, I don't remember specifically right now, but let's say August it resembles the um, the time of um, harvesting and mm. uh, reaping and so forth. And mm-hmm. like throughout the, the whole year is uh, coincides with the season of life. And I think one of the things that we can do as we look at year past and year ahead of us is to pray to see the season of life, mm-hmm. the organic season of life, which ultimately culminates in Christ coming back, establishing the, his kingdom, wiping every tear. Mm-hmm. comforting every heart and punishing his enemies. Yeah. And you better be on the right side. Yeah. Because the grace is still extended to all of us. Yeah. That's awesome. Enjoy the upcoming 2019. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening once again. We're excited to bring you more. Uh, we're going to be changing a little bit with our schedule in the coming months. Me and Max are going to be recording. We're going to be aiming for two episodes a month and with occasional bonus episodes like this one. So keep that in mind as you look for us, as we keep popping up in your newsfeed, in your podcast app. And thank you so much for listening.